to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. I want to thank Todd again for uh, filling in the last couple of weeks. I heard nothing but good reports, and uh, I hope not too good. I, I like that y'all that y'all let me teach, and I'm always concerned that, that I'm gonna come back and my name ain't gonna be on the door anymore. I'm gonna be like, hey, we we got a new we we got another guy. We don't need you. So uh, I, I I joke, but only slightly. But no, I know Todd. I know Todd did a great job, and I appreciate him filling in. So we're gonna pick up in 16, and we'll kind of do an overview of the of the chapter. I don't know if we'll get through it all tonight. Uh, probably not. I'm optimistic always, but I, I know the number of pages I have, so we probably won't get through it. But that's okay. Uh, chapter 16. We would look at here. We look at the bowls, and I know Todd's kind of introduced this already. I think he got through the first three verses. Uh, but let's, let's just begin and work through this. So what we're looking at here is the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. That's where we're at here with chapter 16. Now, if we go back, we, we, we've seen this number seven all through this, this book as we've studied. Now, we've seen, we come now to the bowls. We're going to look at seven bowls. We saw seven seals in Revelation chapter 6. And then the first part of chapter 8, we saw seven seals and we saw seven trumpets. That's in Revelation uh, about eight, chapter 8, verse 6 through uh, 9, 21. And then it picks up in chapter 11, 15 through 19. And then we come to the seven bowls here in chapter 16 that we're going to look at. So these are three series of end times judgments from God. That's what we're looking at is these, these judgments. The, you got the seal, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. And there are these series of judgments that are coming from God. And the judgments are increasingly worse and more devastating as the end times progress. So the further we get along in the book, the further we get along in those, those, that great tribulation period, the greater the intensity of these things. That just the judgments, they get more and more severe. So the seven seals and trumpets and bowls are connected to one another. And the way they're connected is the seventh seal introduces the seventh trumpet, and then the seventh trumpet introduces the seven bowls. So they kind of introduce each other, they build upon each other. And so when we look at the seven seals, if we go back to chapter six and we're looking in there, we saw in that, we saw the appearance of the Antichrist, we saw great warfare, we saw famine, we saw plagues, we saw the martyrdom of believers in Christ. And we saw a devastating earthquake causing terrible devastation. And we saw astronomical upheaval. There were things that they saw in the sky that were, were, were confusing. And so in chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, those that survived the six steals, they, they cried out. And they cried out to the mountains and the rocks, said, Fall on us and hide, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of, the, of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Man, they were right to feel that way. I mean, that, that, you, it, it, with what they went through at that time, and that was early. And that's the things that were going on. It was so, it was so incredible. Folks, I think I've tried to express this. Because I don't know that there's any, it's kind of like, with, for me, as I look on this and I think about this, it's like John looking out and seeing what's going to happen and him trying to write this. It's us, it's, that, that's the way I kind of relate this. Because think of the worst thing you've ever seen. And it's not even going to compare to what's going to go on in the end times. And, and, it, and it's, it's real life. It's not fairy tale. It's not just something, it's not a movie. It's the, it's the real things that are going to be happening and going on on the face of the earth. And the millions upon millions upon millions, half of the earth, we've talked about this, half of the earth's population dead. Four billion people based on today's population. Now, we don't know when this is, we don't know how far into the future this will be. We don't know what the world population is going to be at that time. But at this point, 
You're talking about half of the world's population being dead. That's eight bill, uh, four billion people. This is, when we talk about COVID and, and the millions upon millions that have died from COVID, COVID ain't, ain't, a, ain't a flea bite compared to what the, this is going to be in the end times. The seventh seal introduces the seven uh, trumpet judgment. The trumpets uh, include hail and fire that destroyed much of the planet, uh, plant life on the world. We saw that. We saw the death of much of the world's aquatic life, the darkening of the sun and the moon. We saw a plague of demonic locusts that tortured the unsaved and a, a march of a demonic army that kills a third of humanity. So there's some of that killing that went on there. A third of humanity was killed there in the trumpet judgments. The seventh trumpet calls forth seven angels who carry the seven bowls of God's wrath. And that's where we got to in chapter 15. We see those, those angels are introduced. And, and, and so then we come to these bowl judgments. And in this bowl judgments, we're going to see painful, painful sores afflicting humanity. Uh, we're going to see the seas turn to blood and death of every living thing in the sea. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's not like there's, there's just a, a, a red tide off the coast of Florida. We're talking about death of every living thing. We, we swam last week in the Dead Sea. Now, they found that there is life in the bottom, way down deep in that Dead Sea. There is some life. It's, I don't know if it's microscopic life, but there is some life. But there aren't fish swimming around in there. There's no, there's no greenery on the edges of it. It's, it. The name fits. It's a dead sea. That's what we're talking about with, with this judgment here. The sea will be everything, all of life in the sea will be dead. Rivers turn to blood, intensifying of the sun's heat, uh, great darkness and an intensification of the sores from the first bowl. So we'll, we'll look at that. But they, there's boils come up. And, and later on, the, the other judgments come, those, the intensity of that with what people are going through makes you think about Job sitting there scratching those boils on his body with pot shirts, pieces of broken pottery. And he's trying to scratch those sores and he's just in pain. Uh, the advance of Antichrist armies at Armageddon and a devastating earthquake followed by giant hailstones. Together, the seals, trumpets, and bowls of the end time comprise the great day of God's of his wrath, of his, of his judgment. When you talk about the great day of his wrath, it's God's wrath. And we see that in Revelation 6, 17. And, and it serves to judge uh, the, the Antichrist uh, kingdom of wickedness. That's what's happening is God's judgment on Antichrist in this kingdom. Revelation 16, 5 through 7 declares, in, in verse 5 through 7 it says, And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for this is their uh, just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. His judgments are righteous. You know, everything that God does is right. Y'all realize that? Yeah, everything he does is right. And, and it, it grieves me. It doesn't grieve me so much when lost people question God. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything different. It really grieves me when Christians question God. And, and when, we, when we say we love the Lord and we know he loves us, and yet we shake our fist at him and go, why? And, and, and it, it's such a self... We don't always have the answers, Amen. Right? We don't always know. 
But we have to, we have to learn to trust the Lord. I, you know, think about ALS. I've thought about it. That's one of the few diseases that, I mean, I, 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 I don't want that. There's a lot of things that, you know, all right, that would be a terrible way. But you know what I know? If, if God allows me to get that, then it, it's his plan. He knew about it. It didn't catch him off guard. And we can trust the Lord in that. Everything God does is right. And this angel here declares that. And they're praising the Lord for his righteousness. So if you review the outline of Revelation 8, we see the parallel between the trumpet judgment and the bowl judgments. You have the trumpet judgments, then we come here to the bowl judgments. In each case, the judgment affects the same things, but the bowl judgments are more severe. So the ones, the judgments we're seeing here in chapter 16, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, there's a lot of the same things there, but they're much more severe now. And it seems, too, that the bowl judgments occur, occur in quicker succession, and they're, they're aimed especially at the beast and at his satanic system that has been set up, his satanic kingdom here on earth. And these afflictions prepare the way for Armageddon and the return of Christ on earth to claim his kingdom. So let's, let's walk through the verses now. So the point one, or, or Roman numeral one, however you want to do this, would be the dreadful sores. We see that in verses one and two. And Todd, I may be stepping all over something you've already done, but please forgive me. Uh, and if you have to hear it again, forgive me. But I, I, I'm guessing I probably might even come up with a different perspective on some of this. So then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And this reminds us of the sixth plague of Egypt, right? You remember that, the plagues of Egypt? This reminds you of the sixth plague. It's in Exodus 9.9. If you want to reference that and go back and look at that, when the boils broke out on the Egyptians. Now, the word foul, they're different. If you, if, you, if you do word studies, you'll see if there's different translations, we'll use a different word there. Uh, King James, I think, uses the word noisome for foul. So the word foul there in verse 2 or noisome. Uh, it comes from an old English word that, that is similar to annoy. So annoy, annoysome, annoy, get it? You hear it? There's a similarity in it. Here's what it means. It means troublesome or vexing. It also means severe and malignant. Okay, so when you're talking about these sores, that, these boils, these sores that come up, I, when I say sore, I don't think of like, well, you got a little sore. I think about a boil that pops up. I'm thinking about something that, man, it's, there's pressure there's the pain. Anybody ever watch on, you ever look at the videos, Dr. Pimple Popper? It, come on, admit it if you watch that. Some of you love it. My daughter should have gone on and become a, a skin doctor because she loves all that stuff. I mean, the, the grosser, the better. She loves it. Um, I, 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 I couldn't do it. But that's what I imagine is some big boil and they're all over and they're kind of crusted up. I mean, it, it, I could get really gross, but that's what I imagine is these boils. It's not like, oh, it's, you know, it's just, it doesn't really hurt. No, no, no. This is all over. Imagine, it's all over. You can't sit down without it. You're in pain. You can't stand up. You might be on the bottom. I mean, they're all over your body. Every movement would hurt because of these, 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 these boils that have come up on their body. They're severe. They're malignant. They're troublesome. They're vexing. God promised to send Israel this plague if they rebelled against him. The plague of these sores, these boils. And no doubt the unbelieving Jews are going to suffer right along with the unbelieving Gentiles in, in this time. It's, it's, they're not going to be exempt from that. 
And uh, note that these sores still trouble the world when the fifth vial is poured out. So you get to verse 11, it says, They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So the affliction didn't soften their hearts. Men still blasphemed God and they refused to bow down to him. You know what, we see the same thing today. We, 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 it, it, amazes, it amazes me, uh, we'll, we'll run into difficult things in life and sometimes people will, there'll be a, um, a temporary, maybe a temporary, I'm trying to get right with God kind of thing. It's temporary. Um, man, when God's speaking to you, Get it straightened out. Whatever, whatever's going on in your life, when you're feeling that urge of God's pulling you or tugging at your heart, He's convicting you if there's something that's wrong in your life, get it right. Get it right with Him. Don't delay. Don't wait. You may not have tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow because you could die tonight. You may not have tomorrow because the Lord may rapture us out and then, and then you're, man, you're, you're in a world of hurt. Get it right tonight. Whatever it is God's doing in your life, Second point here, second thing is uh, there's water turned to blood, verses 3 through 7. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink for this, uh, for it is their just due. Two of the bowls are poured out in this, in this area right here in these verses. The second angel turns to the sea to blood, and the third uh, bowl turns uh, the, fountains and the fountains and rivers to blood. So, so everything, all the waters are corrupt. All the waters at this point, you know, water is life, right? And so all the waters are going to be, they're, they're going to be no good. There's no life in the oceans. There's going to be no life in the rivers. They're going to be turned to blood, everything there. And we're reminded again of the first plague in, e in Egypt in Exodus 7, 18. You can also re reference Psalm 105, verse 29, and, and, uh, as well as the second trumpet, which you see in chapter 8 of Revelation, verse 8. We see that. We, we see these judgments on the waters. However, during the trumpet judgment, only a third of the sea became blood. Here we see the entire water system of the world's polluted. We see the difference between the trumpet judgment and here the bowl judgment. And the angel of the waters praises God for his judgment and explains that it is, it is a fair one. It is fair judgment what he's done. The people of the earth have shed blood, so they must drink blood. And we see this law operating throughout Scripture. And, and, and this may be something you haven't thought about before because there was a study in this and I thought about this. I thought, man, I haven't really looked at it and thought about it this way. Pharaoh, what did Pharaoh want to do with the Hebrew boys as they were born? How, how did he want to kill them? He wanted to drown them, right? Who said that? That was good. Good. Yeah, he wanted to drown them. But he wanted them killed, but he wanted, a lot of them he wanted drowned. He, he was, it was a drowning thing. Pharaoh drowned Hebrew boys, so his army was drowned in the Red Sea. Interesting. In the book of Esther, Haman built the gallows to hang Mordecai. And Haman and his sons were hanged on it instead. It's amazing God's justice, the way he does 
uh, those things. It's, it's, it's interesting. Note that in verse 7, the souls under the altar are now satisfied. God has answered their prayers and vindicated them. You go back and read that in 6, 9. They're like, how long, O Lord? And we see here in verse 7, it says, I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So they're, they're, they're being satisfied for the judgment that God is now executing. Uh, number three, scorching and darkness, verses 8 through 11. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over this pl these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So the judgments of the fourth and fifth angels involves the heavens. And the fourth angel causes the sun to scorch men. Um, you know, it's interesting with science. I, 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 I get so, I don't know, frustrated is probably the right word. You read stuff and you, you, all the... the Fake uh, science today, all the fake science about uh, what man is doing to the earth. Uh, yeah. the, 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 it, it makes me sick what we're doing to the earth to try to create batteries for these cars that are still going to have to have coal burning and all these different things to create the electricity to run these cars that they're destroying other parts of the, the world to dig up the thousands and thousands of tons of metals they have to have to create one battery. I mean, it's just incredible. I don't know if you've seen these, they, they, all these wind turbines. You would think you're going to build a wind turbine, that thing's going to be out there for 150 years. No, they don't, they don't last any time. And then they're taking them, and you know what they're doing with them? They're burying them, and they don't, do, they don't break down. They're not biodegradable. So there's these huge... They're just going out and digging these big old stretches and they're putting these things out there and burying them. All right, so they're, they're going to talk about all their, their, their uh, you know, man is creating all the problems on earth. And yet, some scientists have done this, the studies that the temperature changes, temperature changes on earth have a lot to do with the sun's activity. That big bright thing in the sky. And, and there's like, sometimes it gets more active and we get a little warmer. And then, yeah, and sometimes it actually slows down and it gets cooler. It's amazing. It's amazing that temperatures, they've, they've actually, I've read research that where Mars, the temperature on Mars is going up like Earth's was. And then it goes down like Earth's does. It's because of SUVs. It is. It's all of the men and the people that are causing the greenhouses. It's all the cows that are, you know, all the gases, all those gases that the cows produce. Uh, it, it's so frustrating with that. But what's going to happen is this angel is going to pour this out. And whether it's a, a decrease in the atmosphere or whatever God, however God's protecting us right now from the rays of the sun or if the sun gets more intense, it, it's going to be more intense. Their men are going to be burned. The temperatures are going to go up on earth. I mean, it, you think it, it, there's a lot of movies that portray this. And everybody has to wrap up and they got the. They got the goggles on because the sun's so bright because everything's changed. It's amazing. Hollywood has a better understanding sometimes. They don't even know it. They accidentally stumble upon truth. And, but it's going to be that way. Um, so this is a sharp contrast to the trumpet judgment of 812 where, where a part of the sun was darkened. 
you go back and read chapter 8, verse 12, a part of the sun was darkened. Now, there, there's a lot of things you can speculate on that. Again, you can have, you, you know, when Mount St. Helens blew up, there was, there was things moving east with the way the jet stream carried that. There was ash that fell hundreds and hundreds of miles, thick ash that fell. There was places that seemed like, I mean, the, the, the sun just went out. So you can have those kind of things that would happen. Uh, but this is going to be the opposite, where the sun's going to become more intense. However that's going to work, men are going to be burned. In this case, God allows the sun to burn men to give them, as it were, a foretaste of hell. And this is, uh, this is the day Malachi pr- uh, promised uh, would burn as an oven. In chapter 4 of Malachi, ver- verses 1 and 2, he says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, say, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like uh, stall-fed calves. So when all this goes on, then you would think, well, the sinners surely people who have rebelled against God, with all this going on, surely they would turn back to the Lord now, right? Surely that's what they would do. No, they don't. And, and it's, it's just the hardness of men's hearts. It's the hardness of human heart. And, and, and you would think in, in with, with that going on, there would be a turning to God, understanding. I, I think I shared this before. Uh, we went to Indiana in 20, what, Gina, 2014? No, no, no. We came down here in 2014. When did we go to Indiana? 08? 2009. First part of 2009. Before we left Georgia in 2009, there had been a big drought. How many of you know Lake Lanier? Ever heard of Lake Lanier up near Gainesville? Lake Lanier was about 20, 22, 24 feet below full. I mean, it was the scientists, all the people who study that said it will take years we're in a terrible drought. It will take years for this to fill back up. We, we moved to Indiana, and it must have been us. Maybe it was us. Gina, you had sin in your heart. We moved out of the, st- <laughs> we, we moved out of the state. We moved out of the state, and it started raining in Georgia. But here's what was interesting. The politicians, they actually went to the state capitol. All the state, not all of them, but a lot of the state politicians went to the capitol and went to the steps of the capitol and had a day of prayer, praying, praying for God to, to bring water. And all those people said it will take years to fill up Lake Lanier. I think it was three months. And it was back full. I mean, it's, that's, a, that's miraculous. And they say, you know, the rainfall and the rain that came, and, uh, but how quickly we forget those things, how quickly our politicians forget those things. Today, there ain't a whole lot of that going on in any circumstance. There's, there's few of them that believe in prayer anymore. Um, the fifth angel brings darkness. Uh, it's possible that the darkness covered only the immediate kingdom of the beast where his throne or his seat was located. You know, some speculate that it was, it was more located, located on him, on that system or where that seat of that was. Others say that it was a darkness that covered the entire earth. But it, it, there's darkness that's poured out and it covers his kingdom. And his kingdom would be worldwide, so it very well could be worldwide. And this, this darkness parallels the ninth plague of Egypt. And you see that in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 23. Satan is the prince of darkness, so only, it's only right that judgment should, it should uh, 
that darkness should invade his kingdom. Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 declares that the day of the Lord would be a time of darkness. Verse 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the life of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even uh, for many successive generations." And you can also uh, you can see Christ's prophecy in Mark chapter 13, verse 24. He said, but in those days after the tribulation, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. So the Lord prophesied this. Joel prophesied this about the darkness that's coming. Now you imagine the agony of these men with these sores, people all over the world who have these boils all over them and that they won't heal. They're, they're just absolutely in pain. And then you're in darkness. And if we're in darkness, if this is totally, then you, 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 you know, your mind immediately goes to, it's not just that it's almost like night all the time, right? We got darkness out here now. The, 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 the power grid may be down as well. So there's, when you talk about darkness, you can't turn your light on at home. They're back in the dark ages. There's true darkness. Um, and the, the agony you've got with all that going on on top of that, and uh, it's a foretaste of hell. You're in agony, physically in agony, and in absolute utter darkness. It's, it is. It's a foretaste of hell. And still they won't repent of their sin and turn to the Lord. As William Newell says, he said, men who will not be won by grace will never be won at all. And that's the truth. Folks, if we won't turn to the grace of God, we won't respond to the grace of God in our life, there's nothing that will turn us to the Lord. It's, it would be His grace and His grace only. Number four, gathering of the armies, verses 12 through 16. Then the sixth angel then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Uh, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out of the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he wake, uh, walk naked and they, uh, they see, and they see his shame. And they gathered him together to the place called, in Hebrew, Armageddon. And we were just there a week, week, week and a half ago. We were at, uh, we were at what's called Tel Megiddo now, but it was the town of Megiddo. It's out in the middle of a huge, huge valley there in Israel. And in the, in the middle there is this, this town. It was Megiddo. And that's where the valley of Armageddon is, is there at, at that Mount Megiddo. That's what Armageddon means. And that is where we believe, based upon these scriptures, that the battle of Armageddon will be we fought. And that's in northern Israel, north of Jerusalem. And uh, it's kind of southeast of the, the Sea of Galilee. But it's a huge valley. Those who saw it, I mean, you look across it, you can see armies. You can just imagine armies amassed out there in that valley. And that's where that would be fought. Um, when God delivered Israel from Egypt, he dried up the Red Sea to let the nation out. 
Here he dries up part of the Euphrates to allow the armies of the kings of the east to meet with the armies of the nations of the world at Armageddon. So the, 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 uh, it's another thing. Arm, the, the, the river Euphrates, I don't know how many of you have seen this, but that river from when I've been watching, that river's drying up even now. It's, it's, just, it's just drying up. And that's forever. You know, and in, in our known history, that has forever, the fertile, the, the fertile crescent there. All of that area has just been life through that, and it's drying up. And uh, even now we see the forerunners to this. So the word battle in verse 14 is better translated campaign. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago, that when you talk about the battle of Armageddon, it's really a war, it's, and, the, and, the, and the battle that will go on, that ultimate battle, it's a campaign. It's, it's, a, it's a battle that goes on within the full scope of all these little battles that have been going on for, for, for quite a time. And we'll, let's see. Um, again, the word Armageddon means Mount of Megiddo. This area has long been recognized as one of the world's greatest battlefields, and it is here that the battle will be fought between Christ and the Antichrist. Uh, how are these armies gathered? The this, this satanic trinity uses demons to assemble them. We saw that in verse 13 and 14. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast. So there's not three frogs coming out or of each one. There's one out of each one. You see those. So one out of the mouth of the beast, one out of the mouth of the false prophet, and then one out of, uh, um, one out of the mouth of the dragon. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out of the kings to, to, uh, to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of Almighty God. So there's not literal frogs. You know, we understand even from the language there, uh, unclean spirits like frogs. Again, if you see a spirit crawling out of a mouth, how do you, how do you convey that? John... John you know, he conveys it. He saw it like, well, it looks like a frog crawling out, a spirit coming out. And uh, they perform signs. So they're not literal frogs, literal frogs, but they're frogs are symbols of the demonic means that Satan will use to assemble the largest army in the history of the world in his fight against the Lord. A lot of scriptural references there I can give you on that. The armies will gather to attack Jerusalem, but then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. We see that in Matthew chapter 24, and the armies will unite to fight against Christ. So they're, you know, it's kind of that they're fighting everybody. You know, they make movies about that now too. Everybody's fighting in the world, right? And then aliens show up. Aliens show up. So everybody bands together on earth. We're all humans. We have to fight against them. And now there's world peace because we're fighting the aliens. And uh, that, that's kind of what happens. They're going to see the, it says they'll, you know, they'll see the sign of Christ. They'll, they'll, they'll understand that. And then they're going, to, they're going to see that this sign of the Son of Man will appear. And they're going to band together to defeat Christ. They're going to fight against Christ. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they're all, they're enemies that hate each other, but they're enemies that hate God. And they're going to band together to fight against Christ. And the result is, is disclosed in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. You know, we'll, we'll get to that in a few weeks. Verse 15, behold, he says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So verse 15 is a promise to the saints of that time, to the believers of that time, 
that are on earth at that time. Um, and it's a promise that they need to, to keep watch and they need to keep themselves clean. They need to keep themselves separate. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 2 makes it clear that the church will not be caught off. We're going to be caught in the dark. We're not going to be caught in the dark. We're watching, right? If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, um, we don't know when the Lord's going to come back, but we shouldn't be caught totally off guard by the Lord's return. Amen? Because if you're looking, we don't know when it's going to happen, but when it happens, we're not going to be going, oh, man, if I'd have known, I wouldn't have been involved in this. No, we should be always looking because the, the fact is, you know, it's why parents, when they leave, they don't tell the kids, I'll be back in, in 28 minutes or, or in eight hours. They say, we're coming back, and the house better not be a mess. And then the kids don't know because if you tell them, you know, we're not coming back till then, it's all hold, you know, hold, no holds, bars, whatever. 30 minutes before you're getting home, they're all trying to get everything straightened out. No, no, you don't want them thinking like that. You want them knowing, man, mom, dad can show up any time. We got to behave. Uh, that's the way we ought to be. Church ain't going to be caught off guard because we, we know the Lord has, has, has known, has made it known to us. So First Thessalonians 5, 2, so for you yourselves know perfectly that the, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And we know that. We know that. We, we, we don't know when he's coming, but we know it comes as a thief in the night. And we need to be prepared for that at all times. We need to be prepared for his return. We need to be looking. That's that watch and pray. That watch and pray. Waiting on the Lord is an active, that is an active thing. It ain't kicking up on the couch with your feet up taking a nap. Actively watching for, you know, you got, man, my daughter's visiting. When I know she's coming, I'm, I'm like, man. When they, Gina, when they getting here? And I don't care about Ben getting here, but when's Jordan getting here? <laughs> no, I love my son-in-law. He, we, we had a great time. He was on the trip with us, and I, I love him. But my, I want to see my daughter. I want to see my baby girl. And so it's like, oh, when are they getting here? So you're looking. You look actively watching. So I don't know when they're going to get there. But when they get there, it shouldn't be a surprise because, man, I knew, I knew, that, I knew they were coming. And, and now here they are. Amen. Read Revelation 18.4 and you'll see that, that in this warning, Christ is asking his people to keep themselves from the world and the defilement of the satanic system. Revelation 18.4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Keep your garments clean. That's what we're told in, in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. And it's, it's a good warning for us today. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So for us today, here, here's what we can take away from this, is that, that we, need to, we need to keep ourselves spotless. Now, are we to be in the world? Are we to be in the world? Yes or no? Yes. yes. We're supposed to be in the world. But are we to be of the world? No. And so that's where the church today in a lot of places, I say the church, I think there's a lot of professing, professing believers that I don't believe are really believers. There's a lot of people playing church. They're playing religion. There's just as much as much religion in Baptist as there is Catholic or Muslim or whatever. It's a lot of religion. And, and we've got a lot of this today where 
I have to be just like the world and do what the world's doing in order to reach the world. Do you realize, I'm not bashing tattoos, okay? So don't, don't hear that. I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like them. I'm not, I don't have one. I'm not getting one. But I didn't like to write on my books in school either. So I, it's permanent. I don't want to do that. So I just don't do that. But I don't have to get tattooed up to go witness to bikers who are tattooed up. Does that make sense? I don't have to have purple hair to go witness to somebody who's got purple hair. Paul, Paul was not, Paul wasn't saying, I, it, when he's talking about being all things to all people, that's not what he was talking about. So we're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We are to be a peculiar people. And this is one thing I'll give them, and Jason's talking about the Hasidic Jews. Man, the strangest one, they all have different hats, okay? So they all have their own little rabbis, and they've got their little groups that they follow. They have their, hear the word, I, I have a hard time saying the word sect. Sect, a sect, S-E-C-T. They have basically a different sects. And so they have their own little rabbi. They got their own different things. Some of them, some of them dress more casual. Some of them are, man, they got their long coats. And they're all, if they're in the group together, they all look exactly alike. The hats are going to be identical. But the ones, the most unique ones were the ones up by the Sea of Galilee. And it looked like they had a big old hat box <laughs> on their head. A fuzzy a black fuzzy hat box. I mean, it was huge. Round, round hat box. But they all wore the same thing. But here's what I'm going to give them. While they're just walking in religion, they're committed to it. They're committed to it. What we've got is far greater, folks. And yet people struggle with being committed to who we say we, who has saved us from our sin, who died for us, and yet we struggle with the sacrifices that we ought to make in following him. Well, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to not do that. I like doing that. Well, then you still like sin. You still like the world. We got to cut those things off. Amen. We don't cut the people off. We still want to go out and witness and help, but we have to be different. Folks, if you're not different from the world, the world you ain't got nothing the world wants because if you just like the world, they can get that anywhere. They, they want to see something different. They want to see something real. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody tell me, man, people at work, they, they mock me, they make fun of me, you know, they, I'm, I'm butt of some of their jokes, they sneer at me. But you, you know what? It's funny when they stick it out and they stay, stay faithful. Here's what happens. Oh, you ain't going to believe it. So-and-so in the office is going through a divorce or so-and-so in the office is kid sick. Guess what they did? What'd they do? They came to me and asked me to pray for them because they know who's real. They know who's real. So we need to be, we need to be separate. Be different. Be different so you can make a difference. Be different so you can make a difference. Don't be weird. That's what peculiar doesn't mean weird. It doesn't just mean be weird. That's not what he says. Being peculiar is, is you're different. And it's a good different because we're following the, the, the one true God. It's real. He's done what he's done in our life ought to be. And it, changed, it, it ought to change you. Amen. Amen. All right. We got three minutes. I'm going to let you out early because if I start again, we're going to be 10 minutes late. So I got a little more to do, but we'll finish that up next week and go into chapter 17. All right. 
questions? Oh, oh, two things. So cleaning ministry tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Uh,